0: Well, good morning to you all, and we are in Luke chapter 1 this morning, and we're dealing um, with the Christmas story. I'm trying to go from a little different perspective, because normally don't back up all the way to the beginning of Luke chapter 1, but that's where we are. And because that's how the Bible and the Gospel of Luke opens up, talking about the Christmas story from before Jesus was born. Uh, John does it also, but he does it way back. He goes back to eternity past, and he does that. And uh, we learn a little bit more from Luke's perspective in the Gospel of Luke. Luke was a medical doctor. We know he was the beloved physician and an accompaniment or a companion of Paul the Apostle on his missionary journeys. Uh, we know that he wrote, he was the author of the gospel according to Luke. It's a historical record of the life of Jesus, as Luke puts it, and also the book of Acts. And it is thought that when these were first circulated, they were actually together, Luke and Acts being in one volume, although they're two, they're both mentioned uh, in each other as far as that. Uh, when you come to the book of Acts, Luke refers to a former treaty, a former letter he had written, And then in Luke chapter 1, we are introduced to this letter that he writes to a man named Theophilus. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I want to say this, that really Luke chapter 1, for a good portion of it, deals with doubts. It deals with uncertainties. And I thought about that because the Christmas season, there are people that gather and often if they're going to go to a church service or some kind of, you know, event that has some significance around the birth of Christ, right? They're going to do it probably in the month of December. Those are usually that and Easter are the two times people will show up for a church service. But a lot of people go through life having these doubts. And, and by the way, believers are not exempt from that. There are times that doubt arises in your mind and it can happen like that and there are some doubts that are minor and then there's some major doubts you know like for instance the wife came home one day and she opened up the door and there was her husband and he had all kinds of wiring out and from the wall and he was obviously doing some electrical work and she said honey I have absolutely no confidence in your ability to do electrical work he says well you're in for a shock <laughs> there are sometimes those kind of doubts right And uh, the ancient Egyptians dealt with doubt, and they had learned a way of dealing with that. They would go out, take a walk, if doubt rose in their heart, and they would walk down to the river, and eventually they'd be in denial. All right, never mind. (laughs) You'll think of that in the middle of the night and think that's funny. I don't know. But anyways, uh, that's doubting. But there are doubts that sometimes arise, and, and everybody from... All walks of life and backgrounds and times in history have had doubts. And Christmas is no exception. There are people that gather and they say, I wonder if this all really, really happened. Was, uh, you know, many people say, well, yeah, there was probably a real historical person named Jesus, but was he really born of a virgin? I mean, that's different. It's interesting that God would use a physician, a doctor, a medical doctor, to describe in detail more about the virgin birth and to, to zero in on that that he would use a doctor to talk about that which that carries a little more authority I think when you look at that but even apart from that there's much evidence of the virgin birth really the virgin conception of Jesus but I want to just say that because just as the picture behind me shows uh, dealing with doubt sometimes we come up to these crossroads in our faith or in our walk and you wonder which way should I go and which would I yield to? And there is a way that seems right on demand, but the way thereof, or the ends thereof, are the way of ways of death. The Bible tells us of that. And it's easy sometimes to follow our doubts and not our beliefs. And I love what the Gospel of Luke opens up with. It really opens up talking about... Um, uh, dealing with with doubts, and by the way, in James one six says, "But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind." And we don't want to be that kind of person. We want to be people that are settled in those things. And yet, there's many books in the Bible and many passages in the Bible that deal with doubting people. Uh, the book of Job is a good example, right? All these doubts that came around Job, and in the midst of that, Job doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know why all this has happened to him, except he's going to worship God. And he doesn't even know why and how, but God reveals it to him later on. He does that. Well, we're going to look at three people who doubted in this passage this morning, Luke chapter 1. And the first one is a man named Theophilus. I, I haven't heard a sermon in my 34 years of being a Christian on Theophilus. But I've heard him mentioned before, and often it's in connection with the opening verses of Luke and also the book of Acts. And we're going to begin reading in Luke chapter 1 and in verse 1. Insomuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who, from the beginning, where eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning. We come to you with our faith our trust and lord perhaps doubts and yet we thank you for the word of god we thank you O lord that you are the one who has revealed yourself to us you have revealed yourself through history through creation and through the specific written word and lord as we open up your word this morning may you implant it deeply into our minds and our hearts that we would walk in obedience knowing what we've been instructed in in jesus name amen we don't have much about Theophilus, it's just his name mentioned here, and then later in the book of Acts, in the opening verses there, and some have wondered, well, who was Theophilus, and there are scholars out there that would debate that, and the truth is we don't know for sure, there were probably many people named Theophilus, and literally the name Theophilus in Greek means a friend of God, all right, and I like that, a friend of God. I think there should be more people named Theophilus. I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, a friend of God. And we have this individual, this nameless, uh, you know, as far as we don't, a faceless individual, I should say. Um, and we don't know exactly who he was. Some would say that he indeed was, uh, there were a couple of different instances of, of who might be Theophilus. For instance, there was a Jew of that name, in the city of Alexandria in Egypt. And that his name comes up about the same time frame as Luke is writing his uh, gospel account. And later the book of Acts. Uh, there was a Roman official. Something that Roman official maybe fit the term. Because he, uh, we find in verse 3 here Luke uses the term or it's really a title. Most excellent Theophilus. Like theophilus. An term of honor that you would give to a dignitary. And that's very possible as well. There was also a Jewish high priest who uh, was Theophilus ben Ananis. And that would have been the son of Ananias the high priest at the time of Jesus' crucifixion. And he was actually high priest from 37 AD to 41 AD. And some speculate that Luke was writing to the high priest of Israel. And he was detailing an account of the life of Jesus Christ and the miraculous life of Jesus Christ and who he was. And that's very possible as well. And then, of course, maybe it's just a generic honorary term for those who are friends of God. And if you're here in a church this morning or somewhere else out there and you're tuning in, you, I would count you as a friend of God because you've at least taken that step to... To look a little further and for many of us we know the Lord uh, and have that personal relationship with him. And so Theophilus may indeed just be a general term that could be used as the friend of God as Luke goes and writes this letter to them. Well he writes and in verse 4 it says that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. There appears to be just from that verse that there was this Person, Theophilus, and maybe it's many people out there, that they had been instructed to a certain degree about who Jesus was and what he was all about and why he came, but they were still doubting or they were still on the fence and hadn't been mingled yet with belief. And we have this one, Luke, writing, so that they may know. And I would say that all of us may know, because we're reading the gospel according to Luke this morning. And some 2,000 years later, here we are, we're being instructed in those things, which perhaps you've heard before. Well, we know that the Bible is like that. Uh, In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I think that that is ever important, because... There are times if you put this book out of your sight and out of your reading and hearing, and really this many, there's no excuse in our day. Okay, there's really no excuse because there's uh, if you most people are connected to the internet, you can go on and uh, go on YouTube, for example, and you can have the audio Bible written, you know, and visually right there in front of you, and you can put that. as a whole playlist of the Bible. You can just hit play, and you're listening to the Word of God. And if you want to listen to a certain part, you can go there and do that. And that's just one of probably thousands of opportunities in, in the English world to listen to the Bible. And then count all the other languages that the Bible is available to as well. So maybe you have problems with your eyes or you just don't like to read, but you can listen. Maybe that's good. And then again, we have the written form of the Word of God, and you can have many ways to get that and One of the hardest things we do every year kristen is uh we've been talking about the Bible project that we do with the seniors at Van Buren high School, and this year, there are thirteen seniors uh, that are expected to graduate, and we're going to try to get each one of them a Bible, but one of the hardest things we ever we always have is finding what kind of Bible? There's so many out there. There's different kinds of study Bibles and, and so much. We are blessed in this day and age to have so much access to the Word of God. And yet, maybe in our country here, there are so few people that actually read it and look at it. And we wonder why so few people are following in the faith or leaving the faith. is because they're not in the Word of God. I'm convinced of that more and more. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible, very important. So we have Theophilus and he was a, most likely a doubter or at least somebody not quite convinced. And Luke, the physician, takes time to write the detailed account of the gospel of Luke. By the way, have you ever done something like that? We often call Luke the evangelist. And you don't think of maybe Luke as an evangelist going out there speaking to crowds of people. I, I don't really know. He was a companion of the Apostle Paul. He would have been there present when Paul was preaching. And sometimes Paul was preaching to small groups or one. And then sometimes many. And yet it's very possible that Luke who was right there in the shadows of things. Writing down the accounts and listening carefully to those For some who were in that first generation with Jesus. And he was taking account of those things. That's why when he says he had perfect knowledge. It means complete knowledge of the events. Of the the history of Jesus. He was referring to that. Because he was a man on the inside. He knew what was going on. And Luke takes the time. To write that stuff out. In a clear, orderly way. Have you ever done that to a friend? Write him a letter. Maybe this Christmas. Maybe... Pick up the phone and call him or send him a, a, an email or something like that and explain a little bit about Christ and how he is and what he's about. You don't have to write necessarily a, a whole nother version of the Gospel of Luke. That's a long passage there. But hey, maybe start with Gospel of Luke, share a couple of verses or something like that. Think of that. Luke was thinking of someone else. And we are blessed today here on December 4th, 2022 to be reading those words because he took the time to witness to a man named Theophilus. Doubts. Doubts arise. Well, it goes from there and we get into verse 5 of Luke and you come to a man named Zacharias. The second person who doubts. Zacharias. And he was a priest of God. A priest of God, and we're going to read down through, starting in verse five. And there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the division of Abijah, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, blameless. but they had no child. "'Because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. "'So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, "'according to the custom of the priesthood, "'his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. "'And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. "'Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, "'standing on the right side of the altar of incense,' And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Now, he begins to doubt. It's one thing when an angel appears and begins to tell you some very specific instruction that's coming from God. It's another thing to say, how in the world is that going to happen? And we know he doubted. We know because the Bible says this, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, And was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple, but when he came out he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless." so it was as soon as the days of his service were completed that he departed to his own house now after those days his wife elizabeth conceived and she hid herself five months saying thus the lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people wow and i'm not going to comment on all the verses that are there but to say this that we have two people they're uh both of the house of Aaron or in the priestly Levitical order. And here, you know, Zacharias and his wife, Elizabeth, and they were righteous and blameless. The Bible says that of them. They were blameless there. There was nobody that could go out and say, you're just not living right, or you're violating God's law. They were blameless. That doesn't mean they weren't sinners, but they didn't have open sin in their life that people could accuse them of. They were really good people following what God had given him. And then God breaks through and he, he changes the whole structure of the message. Up to this point, you think of Zacharias. He's been a priest, a Levitical priest. He has served as he served throughout his adult years. Um, and from a child, he's known these things. And now he comes to the temple to do something very, not ordinary, but very uh, something that's very uh, similar in its pattern every time. It was to offer up incense in the time of the day when they would offer up incense, and it it pictured prayer, and it it went with prayer, and it was customary for him to do that. It would have been an everyday occurrence going on at that time. And God breaks through. By the way, sometimes God doesn't fit our box. You ever figure that out? Just about the time you think, I have God all figured out, he fits in my little box of culture and tradition and religion and those things that sometimes hinder us, And all of a sudden you realize, wow, God's bigger than my box. Well, Zacharias was in that predicament. And doubt was raised in his heart. This is a man who was following God. And it tells me this, you might be following God and you still struggle with doubts. It's okay. God is bigger than your doubts. God is bigger than your box as well that you may have tried to put him in and he can't be contained that way neither is he contained in any temple or any structure of the mind or anything like that he's God he's everywhere present and Zacharias was going to understand that in a very special way when he says how shall I know this for I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years there was definitely a, a human element to him and his doubts and he was saying I'm an old man And my wife is past her barren years, or her her childbearing years, and she is barren. She's not able to produce. And here they had no children. And they just kind of left that and said, okay, we're now on to the next phase of life, whatever that is, serving God. And God says, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a son. The angel says, you're going to call his name John. And that's different because it wasn't the name of his Zacharias, which was typically you would pass on a name like that. Maybe not, but that's often what would take place. But his name was John, gift from God, literally. That word means, and I think about that because that's what God is like. He gives mercy and grace to us. I love that. You know, in the book of Jude in um it's in the esv i think in the niv as well it translates jude 22 actually i would say more accurately in the word that um in the king james uh it talks about having compassion on some uh and then in the esv it says for the doubters and i thought what where's that and that's what that word means later on uh if you read that jude 22 um it's only one chapter so it's just verse 22 And you were to have compassion on people who doubt. That's because God has compassion on people who doubt. God was still going to accomplish his plan with Zacharias and Elizabeth, even though Zacharias doubted that it could happen. And God was going to use this to help dispel the doubts that were maybe arisen in Mary's mind later. And often we don't connect maybe because we don't talk much about the birth of John the Baptist and the conception of John the Baptist with his mother and father uh, and connect it to the birth of Jesus Christ. But they're connected because he was the forerunner of Christ and they would grow up. And later when John reveals to the public... That there's the Lamb of God and he's among us. And he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It would make sense. God was going to raise up a forerunner. And again, that was according to prophecy of the word of God. And I often think about that. Here's Zacharias. He's going about his business. He's probably like most Jews of that time that were following the Lord. They were looking toward a Messiah, a Christ who would come. And they wondered, is it going to be this generation that will see Christ? Is it this generation and hundreds of years had gone past, and there hadn't been no new revelation from God from prophets that were often called the silent years, those four hundred years before Christ and all of a sudden God breaks through and he begins to speak, and he uses the angel Gabriel to deliver a message, and he delivers, her, delivers him in the temple to a priest. And when I think about this, the irony in that, here's a man that should have been awaiting the Messiah, who should have been expecting it, and he knew the scriptures, and he knew that God would someday raise up a man in the spirit of Elijah, who would go out and preach the word of God, and he would, according to Isaiah, say, he would make straight the path of the Lord, and he would call people to repentance. He knew there had to be some kind of prophet like that, because the Bible said it, and when the message comes to him, he doubts Sometimes we doubt, and there isn't any other explanation other than we're humans, and we doubt. And times, we just need, there are solutions to that, but we go on from there. Well, this leads us to the third, Mary. Now, Mary, I would say, according to Luke, there is, I'm not so sure she doubts as much as she wonders how, because that's how it's recorded here, but she's a woman of God. And we'll pick it up in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, rejoice, highly favored one. She was a woman of God. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the son of god and by the way connected with that is the next verses and i'll read those just so we can comment on them now indeed or now truly elizabeth your relative has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for who for her who was called barren for with god nothing will be impossible then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, what a wonderful story, really. You have the angel again coming to Mary. He explains that she, being a virgin, and she would have known if she was a virgin. And she says to the angel, I know not a man. It would be silly to argue with an angel over those things, right? Right? And she's, she's wondering, how is this going to happen? She was old enough to know the birds and the bees and how things work. And it wasn't, she didn't find herself in that category of having known a man intimately to be able to conceive and have a son. And the angel goes on to explain to her, no, this is going to be miraculous conception. God shall prepare in your womb that son. And we know from the rest of the accounts of the incarnation of Christ it was the very miracle that God would enter into humanity in the form of man being 100% human but yet still remaining 100% God. And God would put on flesh and as John later says that the word would dwell among us and we would behold his glory even as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. We find a lot of things about Mary. She's wondering, how is this all going to take place? And yet, the Lord, or excuse me, the angel explains to her that this is how it's going to happen. Doesn't go into great detail over that. And the sign of that was going to be the very fact that her cousin, Elizabeth, was already she was already now six months into her pregnancy and she had conceived in her old age and by the way that's not the first time the scripture reveals to us somebody that conceives in their old age we think of Abraham and Sarah right when Sarah at age 90 conceives and has the promised son out of which by the way is the line of the Messiah the Christ in the line of John all of that coming from a miraculous conception and birth that took place and mary understands at that point those doubts of the process of how it's going to happen are put aside and she realizes nothing is impossible with god nothing sometimes that's what happens to our doubts we we they they begin they get big and we might even say well i'm going to trust god in this but i just i kind of want to know the how How is this going to take place? And God just says, nothing's impossible with me. Leave it to me. And that's where faith does come in, in those things. And I'm thankful for that. There's a lot of things we get from Mary. We find out some gifts that Mary gives to us. (laughs) And really she gives them to God. But we kind of understand it. First of all, voluntary servanthood. The angel comes to Mary she didn't sign up for this by the way god found her god favored her and out of this blessed woman would come the holy one of israel the messiah she speaks to us of the gift of voluntary servanthood when god puts his finger on something in your life or on you are you willing to say yes lord mary said yes She was obedient in submission. Submissive obedience, that's another gift. You know, there are times where we fight everything, and by our human nature, that's the way we are. Somebody says, hey, go do that, and you say, I won't. Right? And unfortunately, when it comes to the Lord sometimes coming to us, it's harder to say yes than it is to say no, but it is more joyful to submit to his will. Matter of fact, I, I didn't write the verse down, but in the verses preceding the verse in Romans 1.17, uh, where it says, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. It says that you might be obedient to the gospel. Do you realize you can be disobedient to God and disobedient to the gospel if you're not in the word of God and hearing the word of God and people reject it? Submissive obedience. Really, God wants her to do and she is willing to do to be there's a number of things that we could look at and talk about being willing to to do that but anyways uh i'll move on but doubt by the way doesn't disqualify you <laughs> it really is something that is common to believers it was common to the disciples we'll look at that a little bit more um matthew in matthew uh, 28 verse 16 and i I won't i don't think i put that verse in the the series there but um you have a picture there of disciples worshiping jesus but then it says some doubted even after the resurrection some still doubted does happen want to quickly go down through just some points about how to deal with doubt how to deal with doubt and i'm just going to go down quickly i mean that first of all ask for help pretty simple ask for help you know who you go to the lord remember the demon possessed boy and his father brings him to jesus and jesus wants the man to believe and trust And he says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. He asked the right person. He believed. Number two and number three. Faith is a choice, not just a feeling. Faith is a choice, not just a feeling. Sometimes we're driven by our feelings. Feelings are okay. We all have them. But you know what? If you're driven by your feelings, you'll sometimes be greatly discouraged. And you have to be girding up your minds. Luke chapter 24 verse 38 says, And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do do doubts arise in your hearts? Jesus says, Why are you troubled? He's going back to the feelings. And he's telling them to gird up their minds, to understand what they have seen, what they have been instructed in. And by the way, that's the theme of the Gospel of Luke, isn't it? To know those things. And then over here, borrow some faith. You say, borrow some faith? Yeah. Believe it or not, you can borrow faith. You borrow it from other people. And that happens. And I, Now, I can't be saved for you and you be saved for me by trusting Jesus. But, but someone else who's trusting Jesus, their faith is contagious. And you know what? A lot of people have come to faith in Jesus Christ or have walked a deeper walk as one of his disciples because of other disciples who are walking with the Lord. Mark chapter 2 verse 5. The story of the paralytic. You remember Jesus is in this house and he's preaching. There's a great crowd and there's a paralyzed man. And he needs healing and he, he can't be healed. He can't get to the, get to Jesus. So his friends bring him up on the roof, they open up the roof, and they put him down through the roof so that he can be with Jesus. And it was this, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. See, that act of faith of the friends allowed that man to also come to faith in Christ and his sins were forgiven. Borrow a little faith. I'll just put all of them up here. Act on your faith, not on your doubts. Act on your faith, not on your doubts, and then believe your beliefs and not your doubts. Sometimes we concentrate so much on the things we doubt that we forget the things that we believe. Rehearse in your mind the things you believe. I love that, and go through the theology of what how God has revealed Himself, and believe. Understand some things cannot be answered here, and that is true too. There are some that get so caught up in the unanswered things, they don't see the things that are answered. And I think of that, you know, you can chase, uh, you know, there there are scientists out there who are peering into the far corners of the universe, and they're seeing all the billions of galaxies filled with billions of stars, and they're saying, I wonder if there's life on other planets, or other, you know, out there anywhere. And they're making these great big questions that, by the way, you will probably never have answers to. Maybe we will. I don't know. But it, God doesn't want us caught up in those things necessarily. He, instead, he wants us to understand the things that are. And to look at them. And what an awful thing to spend your entire you know, life chasing after something that is an unknown that may never be answered here. Only to miss the things that are already answered. Which is Jesus came. And he came born of a virgin He walked sinless in this world, not even having the inherent nature of sin because that's what the virgin conception is all about. He didn't have the nature of Adam. He had the nature of God. And he comes to this world and he walks the same lonely, dusty trails filled with all kinds of doubters and he shows them who he is. He gives them the word of God. He does that. Believe your beliefs and not your doubts. And then understand some things cannot be answered here. Maybe someday they'll be answered in heaven. And you might just have to rely on that. And then go back to what is true. Go back to that which you know. And that's why when Luke writes and he says that you may know the things or the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Sometimes we just need to go back and to re. Rehearse what we already know theophilus had some kind of knowledge he had been instructed in it maybe he was a student of paul or maybe some say he was maybe a lawyer associated with paul's legal trouble remember he was in trouble i don't know he was somebody that was a friend of god and luke rehearses to him the history and who jesus is and i hope that it was coupled with belief let's pray God, we're thankful. Thankful for your word. Thankful, O oh Lord, that the Bible brings us back to things that we know. I'm reminded of what Hudson Taylor said. God isn't looking for people of great faith, but for individuals ready to follow him. And O oh Lord, help us to be so, such people that are ready to follow you. And even today, Lord, if... There are some here that doubt. I pray they would get into the word of God and understand the God of the word and allow faith to take root and doubts to be dispelled. We are grateful for this. Work your work in Jesus' name. Amen.